All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 252 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger. As always, it's brought to you by Botano.ca. And oh, baby, is there lots to get into? Uh, of course, uh, some huge games coming up in the NFL. If you're into the NBA, look at Botano. They got some uh, unique odds. What about the Raptors? Their greatest comeback ever. Ever most points ever scored in the second half. You never know what's going to happen. Check it out at Botano.ca. And of course, uh, who would have thought the Anaheim Ducks would come back over Vegas? If you had that one, you'd be killing it. Play responsibly. Nineteen plus Botano.ca. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Zervalli. And man, what a weekend in the National Hockey League, Frank. There's so many stories uh, to get to. Let's start with the big one. Of course, uh, before the injury, he was the NHL's leading scorer. And now he's out week to week, which we hope is uh, fewer weeks than more for the New Jersey Devils and Jack Hughes. It's a really tough blow. Hughes had played so well. And I had sort of said a, a few weeks ago at the start of the season, his his talent has always been undeniable. But I always felt like he's one of those guys that's so I think frail is is an unfair word, but compared to some of the other guys in the NHL, he's just not as big. And I, I always said Watching him, you kind of you feel like you're bracing. You know, you hope that he doesn't get crunched, and he's that good that you hope he could stay on the ice forever. Out, I think the the Devils dodged a bullet here. I think the initial fear was that he might be out even longer uh, instead of weeks, months, and so I, I think they're feeling pretty good about where things are at. But look, I mean, 
you take Jack Hughes, the the league's leading scorer out of the lineup, and Nico Heischer at the same time, that's a pretty big wallop to your center depth. And all of a sudden, you know, you see the Devils, they look like a different team on Sunday night, and understandably so. Well, and especially the way it went down, just an unfortunate injury, man. It's going super fast, just crashes into the boards and um, you know, nothing, uh, just an unlucky play for him. But well, we'll find out, I guess, what the Devils are, are made of. Uh, Dawson Mercer's off to a little bit of a slow start. and First goal, he got his first goal over the weekend. Yeah, so, uh, you know, there's a guy he'll step up. Uh, you know, they're obviously still wanting more from uh, from Timo Meyer. So when when you lose a player, I think when it's two or three weeks, you know, good teams can absorb it for a few. When it comes long-term, I think it becomes a bigger issue. But, you know, we'll see what the Devils are, where they are without their guys. And, you know, it should be able to, in theory, uh, allow some other players to gain some confidence because there'll be a lot more puck touches available for some New Jersey players offensively. Puck touches and minutes, right? All of a sudden, yeah. you start to see some guys get excited and say, hold on a second here. I want to try and, if possible, plant a seed of doubt in Lindy Ruff's mind that, whenever these guys come back that I deserve maybe a touch more ice time here or opportunity. And so that part is pretty big. You know, even a call up like Max Wilman, he gets in with the devils scores, uh, you know, his first goal of the season, you know, it's just a nice little story to add to different guys stepping up at different moments. And uh, speaking of uh, stepping up at different moments, um, Sheldon Keefe, the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, basically calls out his team and says, like, it's unacceptable. Brad Marchand uh, gets the old can opener. And, and uh, you know, I watched the play many times. I don't feel I that way at all, but we can talk about that in a second. Yeah, like, I don't know if it was grossly cheap or dirty, but, it, you know, it's borderline. It's Brad Marchand. And to me, you at least have to do something, right? I'm not saying you got to jump over the boards and line brawl or anything like that, but you can't let is, him stand there and beak your bench during exactly. a media timeout and just sit there. And, and I saw some of the clips like John Tavares is looking at his skates and, you know, uh, you, you've got Tyler Bertuzzi sitting back laughing. And he was just talking before the game about what a good guy Brad Marchand is from their short time together in Boston. I'm thinking to myself, in what world would this have happened in the old days of the NHL? Never. <laughs> wow. you, you'd never be caught dead socializing with a guy from the other team or talking about how good of a guy he is. Yeah. Like it, the, the thing that's interesting is I know people are like, well, they got Reeves. And I think one of the biggest misunderstandings is you think, okay, you get the heavyweight tough guy. Well, Brad Marchand's never fighting Ryan Reeves ever in a million years. Okay. And if Ryan Reeves jumps him, guess what? He gets one or two punches and then he gets suspended for 15 games probably because he went after one of the league's better players. You know, you have guys like uh, Bertuzzi, you mentioned, uh, you know, Domi there there's Austin Matthews, big, strong guy. Like Brad Marchand is not a six foot four, 220 pound killer. He's a really good player, but he's not someone that you, you can't at least, you know, go nose to nose with if you're Toronto. And, oh, I see and it doesn't have there, to be nose Ryan to nose. No. <laughs> uh, look, I'm with you. And I think it speaks to a team mentality. Yes. It's something that permeates through a team that, you either have, and when I say this, killer instinct, like it's in the, the key word there is instinct. It's instinctual. You either have it or you are sitting back on the bench and you're meek and you're waiting for someone else looking around over your shoulder for someone else on your team to do it. I think that's been one of the big things to not take one moment and absolutely crystallize a team and their mentality, but 
that that stands out in a big way to me for a team that knew they needed more of that going into the season. They bring in these guys, Bertuzzi, Domi, Reeves, et cetera, to add some of that. And yet it almost feels like there's a trickle down effect from the big four that are sometimes so nonchalant that it, it has to drive you crazy. If you're a leaf fan saying like, I just want one time for one of these guys to just absolutely go psycho to, to, to go full on Nathan McKinnon and, and rip your face off. And, and Nathan McKinnon's not a fighter by any stretch of the imagination, but his intensity, I think permeates through the rest of that team. And yeah. that's something that is missing from this group. Pack mentality is the key today. That's just, you mentioned Nathan McKinnon. Um, you know, you look at Braden point, uh, Steven Stamkos in Tampa Bay, they weren't afraid to stand up for themselves. Braden Point, you know, Sidney Crosby used to average one fight a year, Frank. One fight a year. Sidney Crosby was the best player in the game for a decade, and he would still, you know, get annoyed. Jonathan Taves, you know, would fight. And I'm not saying you always have to fight, but you you have to show a willingness to say, okay, you know what? There's a line. You can't cross it with our team. And regardless of who it is, we're going to stand up for ourselves. Instinct. No. It has to be first gut reaction. And if it's your fourth or fifth and someone needs to tell you and your coach needs to have a team meeting on Saturday morning to remind you that it's no good. That's that's you're 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 beside the point then already. Yeah. So um, lots of other things, I guess, um, to to look at around the league. I do. We do have to give a shout out, uh, Frank, the Anaheim Ducks. They they just continue to come back from two goal deficits. Uh, they did it against the the team that had yet to lose a game in regulation, Vegas. For goodness sakes, are you buying the Ducks yet? Are they are you believing at all in the willingness of the Ducks? Well, I like the willingness of it. I like how they've had a bunch of come from behind wins, and especially against the defending Cup champs who had yet to lose in regulation this season. And they What's beat not- Boston, who hadn't yeah. lost in regulation either. Well, what's not to like about it? I mean, there's a ton to like about it. It's just that I think over an 82 game stretch, it'll all come out in the wash and that this has been one great run to start the first, you know, four weeks of the season. Do you think the Ducks are a playoff team this year? I'm not ready yet to say they're a playoff team, but I I think they're, they're going to be a lot better than I thought they'd be. Well, they're already get it. Like just from a pure math perspective, they're already getting there, but this is the point I made on Twitter and a bunch of Ducks fans came after me. I said, I think they're closer to the one and four team that started the year than they are to this team that had won. It was then five, now six in a row. Yeah. Is that fair or unfair? Yeah, I think it's probably unfair, right? Like you, you, when you win you six think that in a they row, can win the, you think they're closer to winning six in a row, like being a team that good than the team that was one and four. But I think if closer to six and oh means you could be three and three, that's still closer to one and four, right? I guess. I mean, yeah, like I don't think the Ducks are a one and four team. I also agree with you. They're not a six and oh team, but and, and it's who they've beat that impresses me. Like, you know what? If you're beating up on Edmonton, who's terrible right now, or San Jose, well, that's one thing. But you're beating Vegas and you're beating Boston like. I got to give them a little bit of credit. Like their goaltending's great. They're getting scoring from every lots of different places up and down the lineup. Um, the, you know, you talked earlier, Frank, about Toronto. Cronin has come in, and there's a level of commitment with that team 
that I don't think we saw before. If they used to be down in games, Frank, it was over, right? Mm -hmm. Tap out, they're done. And they, the coach has helped that the players obviously have to buy into it, but the coach I think is, has come in and definitely changed the culture of their team. I'm still not sold. They make the playoffs, but like, I thought Anaheim might be able, you know, to get to 80 points. Well, now they might be able to get to 90. And then all of a sudden that's, you get two or three extra games that maybe you shouldn't win. Suddenly you're at 94. And now you're, you're right in the mix. Mm, interesting. I, I yeah. see your point. Um, I just feel like so many of the starts that they've had have been unsustainable. Yeah, and no, I that's think they're fair. really good players. Like I, I think make, Mason McTavish is going to be a great, great player in this league. Do I think he's going to be at 90 points this year? Probably not. Yeah, no, uh, that's fair. Do I think Ryan Strom is going to be at 85 points this year? These are this is the pace that these guys are on. No. Yeah, um, and then do you but think there, there's been is- so many good stories though? Like I don't want to take away from the Ducks and what they've done. Like he's not going to show up on your your point sheet because he's 12th in team scoring. But if you watch really closely and watch Jackson Lacombe play on D, like it's it's really impressive the way that he's stepped into this lineup and made an impact. So there's been a ton of bright spots and there's a lot of reasons to be excited. If you're a ducks fan, I'm just saying I'm not, I'm not sold yet. Well, the impressive thing to me, Frank, is we talk about the guys who are off to good starts. Trevor Zegers has two points. So I don't think he's going to be an 18 point player at the end of the season. Right? So, well, the other guys might come back a guy who's back to back 60 plus point seasons. I think eventually he's going to get going. Like that's kind of the good thing for the ducks is they're winning and their offensive leader of the last two years has barely shown up on the score sheet. Yeah, and you've had other guys. Alex Kalorn has only played one game. Yeah. Um, like, you're going to see more out of Leo Carlson as the second half of the year unfolds. Quietly, he's got three goals in seven games. Like, these, these guys are going to continue to get better and better. I still think they need more support. Yeah, well, at least the Ducks, if you're a Ducks fan, you're like, hey, the uh, the exciting the, time. The, the young players are looking good. I young defenseman, young forwards, young goaltender. So uh, uh, good for them. Uh, meanwhile, the other team in California, Frank, first time oh, since, oh. since 1965 that a team has allowed 10 goals in consecutive games. Like that is so unbelievable to me. And like, the, why I even don't, show up? Honestly, like, well, you get paid, so getting paid pretty handsomely. But, like, honestly, this, the San Jose Sharks, Frank, I said at the start of the year they wouldn't get 20 wins. Now I am I feel confident they might not get 15. Like, we could be you know, looking he's going, at Now they might not get 20 points. Yeah. Like, historically bad season by the San Jose Sharks. Like, they they look completely lost. Because, like, Logan Couture is out, but he's not a defenseman. He's not a goaltender. Their defensive coverage is non-existent. I don't know what their coach's defensive zone system is. I don't know but if there it's, is one. It's non-existent. I mean, when you give up 10 in back-to-back games, really what you're saying is we don't care. I don't care whose system it is, whether it's tactical, whatever, whatever it might be. You can throw that out the window because at the end of the day, hockey is a real simple game. You got to compete. And it's abundantly obvious that they have just thrown in the towel. No. And I, it's, it's embarrassing. Like how could you possibly walk in there with pride the next day and say, we're the San Jose sharks. Yeah. Like it's, you allowed 20 goals on 68 shots in the last two games. And, and you want to know the crazy part, Frank, despite that, 
if, if to, to add some more pain to a Pacific Division team. So the Sharks have allowed 20 goals in two games. Their goalie save percentage is still slightly better than Edmonton's. Come on. Yes. I'm not joking. Tell me, come on. What are the numbers? <laughs> eight. Uh, uh, let me double check it. It's eight, six, nine to, I think eight, six, four. Oh my yeah. God. Like, like it is, it's that to me is probably the, and that's just, that's all you need to know about the, uh, the struggles of Edmonton. Like they're off the rush. They look lost. They can't cover anyone, but uh, their goalies need to make a save. Yeah. The save percentage is a uh, eight, six, four. For Edmonton and eight six nine for San Jose. Actually, Carolina is eight six five. They're actually below San Jose too. Come on, shockingly. Yes, I'm not making it up. That's unbelievable. I know it is, isn't it? It's great. Like Carolina and Edmonton. I don't think like, that. What? That's the most shock. I I was gonna say the fact that the Sharks only have twelve goals in eleven games. That that's the most shocking stat of the year. But what you just said is. <laughs> Yeah, like the that's Sharks, that's brutal. the other thing. They're, they're, it is brutal, right? It just shows you Caroline and Order fans are probably just like, what? I don't want to hear that. Like, well, I mean, so let's dive into the Oilers then because we have to. Save percentage is one thing. There's something missing, though, isn't there? Dude, every, so here, here's the numbers for, so the Edmonton Orders led the league in scoring last year. They're 23rd. In goals right now, they were fifth in five on five goals last year. They're twenty third in five on five goals. Is they're it's so offensively they're they're a shell of what they were last year, and they have all their same top guys. Like, are you telling me that they miss Kyler Yamamoto that much? No. Like, give me a break. So you're so you're you're not a believer. The fact that the Oilers are number one in expected goals for at five on five. Are you one of those people that's saying because of the way their games have been, they've played from behind a lot, and a lot of that's just score effects? Oh, like they're like, well, you know what? Funny, Frank, it's they haven't even played from behind the first period. The orders are outscoring teams. They are getting murdered in the second and third periods. So it's now I know that they're I, I think um, sport logic has them at sixth highest in, in high danger chances. So, yeah, they're creating. But part of your job is you got to finish. That's part of your job. You're getting paid for it. You got to finish like Nugent Hopkins, dry settle McDavid, six games. They have zero goals combined. Zero. Now, I know they're giving up way too much. If I had to pick what's the one area that's going to get better, I would pick their offense, of course. But offensively, they're not good enough. Defensively, they become a train wreck. They give up chances off the rush, Frank, like Oprah Winfrey handing out gifts to her audience. Like, it's just, it's repeatedly, you get a chance, and you get a chance, and you get a chance. And then their goaltending just can't make a save ever when it matters. Like, Stuart Skinner had a little bit of stretch where he was all right. Like, the Ranger game, he probably kept it close. We were both there. Right. So, but to me, there, there's no, there's no one group that can walk to the rink and say, well, we're losing because those guys aren't doing their job. This is a combined team effort. I'll throw the coaching staff in there as well. Frank, I, I think the coaching staff, there's lots of things that, the, that, they're, that they're worrying about that don't matter. Right. Like little things that just, it adds just give up. Give me an example. So, uh, well, here's the one that frustrates me the most. So Connor McDavid, the best player in the world, right? He gets injured in that game. We all saw it. He leaves. Um, you have a coach press conference 25 minutes after the game. What's the first thing you're doing as a head coach? You go address your, your team right after the loss. Then you're going to find out about the status of your best player. Are you not? But it's mm-hmm. like, well, I haven't had a chance to talk to the trainers yet. I mean, of course you have. Like, do you think I'm an idiot? Right. So it's those little things you can say, yeah, you know what? Uh, Why he's does getting- that bother you? 
Well, because it's a small thing where you're, you're always trying to hide things, right? Like you go three days where you practice and you don't rush, you don't run line rushes or you don't do any drills in practice, Frank, that are saying, okay, how can we help out our neutral zone game? Cause we're getting killed off the rush. What are you practicing? If you're not doing that, what's the one area of your team that you're getting murdered at right now off the rush. So if you, now, so maybe you think all- the reason for that is because they just don't want to show what they have. Well, but in practice, here's the thing, Frank. It's not like I'm going to video their practice and put it out there. Oh, right? others like, have. Yeah, FYI. yeah, fair enough. But I would look and just say, hey, Oilers are working on their, uh, you know, backtracking in the neutral zone. Like that's that's not shocking. I think anybody around the league would be like, yeah, Edmonton's got to get better there, right? Like, um, like they're, and Edmonton's just their players have made some decisions that no coach has any control over, right? Like, you, no coach tells you, hey, when you have no back pressure coming back, don't pinch at the blue line. Right, they teach you that, and then you pinch, and oh, now it's odd man rush. So all I'm saying is, when I look at the coaching, um, I, everybody's responsible because whatever their adjustments are, it hasn't worked. There's been no adjustments, Frank. Like they they started out bad against Vancouver, then they won a game, and then since then they're one five and one. And the one win came outdoors in Calgary, where you know what, um, a Flames team was struggling, but the Orders played really well defensively that game. We saw it; they gave up nothing, so they've proven they can do it but then they don't. So the majority to me is on the players, but I don't excuse the coach. And I still don't excuse the GM because he's the guy who built the roster and didn't really make any changes other than Dustin Brown. And even cup winning teams usually make Connor Brown, sorry, uh, 15 to 20% of changeover. Right. So there's lots of areas that Jack Campbell signing hasn't worked. Like it's been horrifically bad. And so at some point, don't you have to look and say, Hey, we're sending Jack Campbell to the minors. We're going to call up Calvin Pickard because he's got a 939 save percentage in the minors, and at least maybe he can give us an, an 890 save percentage. I, I, I stressed this last year, and I don't know if that injury that Jack Campbell had was by design or what, but just sit him out for a couple of weeks and let him let him find his game. Give, give him some give him some time off. Take the pressure off. I know that's you know people would say, look, if you don't have it, you don't have it, but. We've seen lots of guys in this position retool themselves mid-year. But the, so the orders me, don't the, the cap space of the orders, Frank, you'd either have to send them to the miners or put them on LTIR. They don't have any they don't have any they don't even have any money to have them on IR. I know, I get it. That's these are hard times. Um so let me put you on the spot. Is Jay Woodcroft in trouble? If Jay Woodcroft's in trouble, then I think they got more trouble in the organization. He came into the season with the second most wins since he was the head coach for them in a, in a year and two and a half months, right? Um, does he suddenly become an idiot overnight? I don't think so. Um, doesn't mean you can't look and say, hey, coach is responsible for some things, right? Like that's your job. Might not be your problem, but that's your job to solve it. So I will say this, Frank, I think there's lots of pressure in Edmonton. They lose tonight to Vancouver. They're, they're already in a deep hole. Like if they mm-hmm. lose tonight to Vancouver, Frank, they've got five points and uh, the Vancouver Canucks then would, uh, would jump up and they would, if they win in regulation, they'd have 19. So now you're 14 points behind That's second place. <laughs> Never mind being 18 points behind first place. You could almost I, I said say they have 10 games to figure it out. If they're yeah. not within striking distance in 10 games, you can pull the curtain down on the season and this nightmare will be over. Yeah, like honestly, they they could be that far. Like you lose tonight in regulation, it's crazy to say. But after eleven games, you might be like, "Well, home ice advantage is pretty much out the window." Now you're just fighting for a wild card spot. You're 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 up against it to get in on a wild card spot. I'm telling you, ten more games, 
if you have 10 points after 20 games, you're out, you're done. There's no, there's almost no way you're making it back. Uh, That's totally fair. So I look at Edmonton. So they play Vancouver tonight. Then they got the sharks on Thursday. My goodness. If you can't beat the sharks, (laughs) then there's some real problems. And then you have Seattle. Oh my God. Edmonton has to, they have to win one sharks win like five to one and double their season goal total. Could you imagine? But I think Edmonton has to win at least one of those games against Seattle and Vancouver. The Sharks game, I'm sorry. I don't put in, if they win it, I don't seem like, oh, that takes the heat off. I don't think it does at all. I really think it's, you got to win the one. Little of, Sisters of the Poor is what that yeah, is. The Vancouver-Seattle game, if you come back from that road trip and only beat San Jose, then yeah, I think Jay Woodcroft could be in trouble. And overall, your level of concern, it was like a two a couple weeks ago. Well, the game, the, the, the game against Nashville on Saturday, Frank illustrated to me again, like the orders folded like a cheap tent in the second and third periods, which they've done all year long. And it doesn't matter who the opposition is. So yeah, I, I would say it's up to a six now. Like there's oh, legit concern. I'm at legit a seven concern. or a seven and a half. Yeah. Like they, like, cause you could It'd be different in. if I think this year, if you looked at, and I'm not, this is not on the stars by any stretch of the imagination. They haven't been unreal, but they haven't been terrible. There's something just eye test wise, McDavid and Drysaitel just they're not. They're, there's something not there, and I don't yeah. know what it is. But if that was going, you'd say like, okay, like it's only a matter of time before they just start bludgeoning opponents, and it doesn't even matter how many goals Jack Campbell or Stuart Skinner is giving up because they could win five four. I'm just not seeing that burst. I'm not whatever that is. I don't know why it's gone, but. It's to your point, a whole collective effort. Oh, like they're, it's a major team effort. And that that's maybe the only saving grace is um, there's no finger pointing because everybody's looking in the mirror and maybe they like they're, they're in the muck together as a group. Maybe they get out of it together, but I could see how Oiler fans wouldn't have a lot of confidence. And, you know, Jeff Jackson's a new guy in town, Frank, and we know this across the history. I don't think he's going to sit idle. I really don't. New guy comes in and that's why, you know what, if, I think Ken Holland has a history of being very patient. Then I think Jay Woodcroft would be safer, but now Jeff Jackson's here and it just, it just changes it. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just historically it's different. People look and say, well, I'm not really connected to this guy. This isn't the guy I hired. And this is all I'm seeing because the past for Jeff Jackson's irrelevant. And I think that's fair. The past is irrelevant, right? You're only focusing on what you have right now. All right, and this so you is give a big him- year for Edmonton. It is. It's maybe the biggest year in franchise history since 1990. Um, so you give them a six out of 10 on the panic scale. I feel like that's pretty generous, which brings us to our crown Royal generous guy. And you always try and pick a a guy that went out of their way for a teammate on or off the ice because generosity lives in the small things as crown Royal reminds us, Jay, who you got this week as the generous guy. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, I'm going to go to a guy who I think uh, was very generous in his comments and uh, stands up and did the right thing. Uh, maybe people didn't hear it or not. Uh, Brady Kachuk's post-game comments after another loss. The fans were booing. Fire DJ. And the captain stood up. Uh, here's his comments. Yeah, frustrating. I mean, it's whenever you don't win, it's it's frustrating, and um, it's frustrating the the negativity from the outside. It's um, the constant booing and, and uh, kind of from the crowd too tonight was. Um, I understand that they're a passionate fan base. I understand. It, I love it, but um, I mean, when you face adversity, you don't you don't turn your back on uh, the the guys out there. I mean. We're playing hard. Um, I know it's frustrating right now, but it's not like we're we're giving up out there. We're fighting to the very end. So, um, to be honest with you, it's um, I, I was I was very frustrated tonight. And you know what? Hey, I, I agreed with a lot of what he said. It's like you know what? Like yeah, we're feeling a lot of pressure right now. They got off to a good start. Um, he, I think he's true in the sense that their work ethic most times has never really been a question their execution you can question but i'm not sure their work ethic so i'm going to give it to the captain i think we know there's lots of pressure in ottawa frank like there's obviously lots of pressure in edmonton but you look there's a new owner now there's steve stales who's new they just fired their gm there was lots of expectations in ottawa at the start of the season and you know i think there's your captain standing up for his coach knowing that all arrows are pointed at him right now yeah and i get the idea of taking the bullets but if you don't want the negativity in the building, play better. I don't really understand that part at all. It's a, it was almost like in a very roundabout way, he was also kind of saying like, stop booing us. And it was like, but we've seen, if you're a Sens fan, you've seen the same movie like five years in a row now or whatever it is, three years in a row with some expectations of taking some step forward. And yet we've never had the step forward. So it's kind of like, it's the old chicken and the egg argument, right? Like which one of these comes first? Do you have to win before the the positivity comes or does the positivity bring the, the wins? Like I, I tend to think it's, you got to win and then they'll show you some love. And frankly, it's like any kid squawking for more ice time. Like what have you done to deserve it? And that's kind of the big thing that I look at here. I'm going, there's not really a lot to be excited about right now if you're a Sens fan. It's the same thing over and over and over again. Four and six, riding up the the last place spot in the Atlantic Division. It's like their comfortable, snuggly, co- cozy home. I mean, 
like the one what, thing what's about, the excuse? Like, yeah, what yeah. is well, the excuse is, for the Montreal Canadiens being four points ahead of you in the standings? What's the excuse for the Detroit Red Wings being seven points north of you? Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't, I understand you, you guys are banged up and you've had injuries. I mean, last time I checked, the Florida Panthers are without their two top defensemen. They're ahead of you in the standings. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, their stud Vezina winning goalie, he's out. I don't see them balking about injuries. I just, I guess I, I look at it and I say, well, like, if you don't want the negativity, then play better. It's a fair point. That's why I was saying he's a generous guy because I think he was being generous to his coach, Frank, who has been the one big consistent there. And well, 300 games, uh, more than 300 games now. I think he's at 301. Only one guy in franchise history has coached more games of the Ottawa Senators, Jacques Martin. I mean, that's a pretty extended run. We've seen guys kicked out on their ass after two and a half years. You get five. I'm I'm sorry. Like you gotta you gotta show me some results. Yeah. Oh, that and that's why I think it was it it was a, a captain maybe understanding the big picture here and a not wanting to take an escaper. Like you can't just blame. It's not just the coach's fault. You're right. I think it's the player's fault too. So. And I, I like Brady Kachuk isn't like Brady Kachuk. Yeah, me too. I, he game, works man. his bag like, off. And I oh. think that whole team works. That's the hard part is like they're working and not getting results. And I understand why he feels the way that he does. But it was, like I said, a roundabout way of saying like, stop booing. Well, I do wonder if, if a coaching change, different voice, you know, maybe a few small tweaks here, different terminology, something would tweak it. Because on paper, I think Ottawa's got a good team. I still didn't pick him we to make a playoffs. We all think right? that. Everyone universally thinks that this team is better than their results. But when you do the same thing repeatedly with the same person leading the way, like, I'm, yeah. I've, re- I've reached the end of the line. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. That's, that's why I picked him. Yeah, I think well, he was being he, very generous. At Crown Royal. Generosity lives in the small things. Crown everything with Crown Royal. Yeah. So uh, there you go. There's um, yeah, There's lots going on. Like, and you know, you see some teams early on in the season that, like, you know, Ottawa. I didn't have Ottawa as a playoff team. I know there's lots of expectations there, and I think internally with the with the ownership group, there's lots of pressure there. There's no question. Um, you know, you look at Pittsburgh. I think there's a team that uh, they feel are underachieving. Edmonton, obviously. I think the Minnesota Wild, Frank, are, are another team that's you know, not at the level that they would be like, that, you know, they've won three of their last 10 games. So it is early on, but you know, as, as some teams are playing well, there, there are others. I will say though, like the Vegas, their start Vancouver, like Vancouver right now could have the, uh, they definitely have a top candidate for the Vesna in Demko. They have a top candidate for the, uh, the Norris in Quinn Hughes. And it's early, but they're going to have a top candidate for the Hart trophy right yep. now in Elias Pedersen. Like it's Vancouver star. We haven't talked about them very much, but the start of the Vancouver Canucks, man, give. And, and the thing was, if you look back to the last 25 games under Rick Tockett last year, you saw the results when Demko came back and was healthy. They were a very good team down the stretch and they pretty much picked up right where they left off. I don't typically buy into that. And the reason for that is you saw the same from Bruce Boudreaux, the last 54 games when he took over and then they absolutely defecated on the carpet to start last year. This yeah. year, totally different. Their stars have been their stars. I picked Demko to win the Vezina before the year. I would pat myself on the back, but we got a long way to go. And 
I, I had Hughes as the Norris, so maybe oh, we're both be patting ourselves. But here's the thing that for whatever reason, no one was talking about enough in the offseason is the Canucks defense core was like wildly reshaped. And like, I'd say twice as good as they were last year, a full season of Philip Ronick, who has 11 points in 11 games so far. Then you add in Ian Cole, who has one point, but doesn't matter because he plays 21 minutes a night. And oh, by the way, he's a plus eight. Say whatever you want about the stat. Ian Cole, significant positive contributor. Carson Soucy, nine games. You change out those guys for Ethan Bear, Noah Juleson, uh, whoever else has been playing on their back end the last... I'm not singling out any names. I'm saying you took replacement players and added in players that are a step above that and did it for half your defense core. Like that's a big, big step forward. And it just wasn't, I don't think people properly appreciated how big of a change Vancouver made to their back end. Yeah. Ethan Bear, Luke Shen, Oliver Ekman Larson, uh, Kyle Burroughs, Riley Stillman. They were their third to seventh uh, most games played on their back end. Obviously, they had Quinn Hughes and, and Tyler Myers at the top, right? And, you know, now, hey, Tyler Myers, another guy, give him credit, man. Like his season, people like people thought, get rid of him. He's brutal. Well, you know, Ronick and Hughes have been a legit top pair. uh, No question. Right. And then you look at uh, Myers and Cole and Susie, even Mark Friedman. Right. Mark Friedman comes in. So that's they got four new defensemen because Ronick only played a few games last year. And Friedman is a seven. So, like. Yeah. We're not going to get to him and him and Juleson. They kind of split. Right. But Friedman's played eight games. Juleson's only played three. Right. Like right now he's their sixth and he's, he's been playing fine. It's a big step forward. Like it's, it just is. And then Demko when healthy, as mentioned is, I think he's the top five or six goalie in the league. Oh, he's the best goalie in the Pacific division by far, in my opinion. And yeah, I mean, that's like saying you're the tallest midget at the circus. Well, they got the Stanley Cup. I guess you could, guy, yeah, you could say the guy you know, from in Vegas, Mark. But I Mark think we Sh- all we all kind of look back on Vegas and say product of system, right? True, but I mean, let's go through the teams. Kraken, no. Sharks, hell no. Oilers, no. no. I mean, Ducks, probably not. Lucas Dostal has been off to a nice start. Definitely not the King. I mean, you can cross everyone off with really without blinking. Yeah. Then you get but, to but Vegas. But I'd say he's top five in the league. Is, yeah, right? and, and Markstrom has been way better. But here's the scary thing about Markstrom and his season for the Flames is you could make the argument that Jacob Markstrom is the Flames' best player so far to start the year. No. He's still sub-900. Yeah. Still sub-900. No, not great. Hey, before we get to uh, to Liam, quickly um, – um, Nicholas Backstrom stepping away from the game, Frank. Um, do you think this is the end? I do. Um, look, I I think the writing was on the wall when his GM Brian McClellan came out on Locker Cleanout Day. It was April fifteenth last year. You can look up the quotes, and he basically said Backstrom has a decision to make. He, you know, it was it was almost like he was saying without so many words. Yeah, he made it back from his surgery, and that's incredibly impressive hip resurfacing because next to no one has but here's the thing 
next to no one has made it back and gotten to an elite level. Ed Jovanovsky made it back, but he didn't get back to an elite level. Nicholas Backstrom, he couldn't skate. He couldn't keep up. And I think if you were to read through those, like read between the lines then, more or less what he was saying was he needs to decide whether he wants to keep playing or not. And for the Caps, that would have totally changed the outlook of their summer. $9.2 million that you would have in LTIR space versus now, first off, your team's not off to a good start and doesn't look very promising to turn it around. And it's not a terrible start, but it's mediocre. And what you're looking at is, well, how would we spend that $9.2 million now? It doesn't make any sense to throw good money after bad and go trade picks to use that 9.2 million bucks that you suddenly have in space. It creates a really difficult spot for Brian McClellan to be in. Yes, he can reshape the team next summer, but oof, to find out in November yeah. or the last week in October that the guy that you thought was no good previously is still no good, it really hurts. And I don't want to break- knock Backstrom at all because like yeah. the work that he put in to get back, it, it it's insane, the rehab. And obviously he really loves the game, but at a certain point, if you can't reach the level that you were previously at, it becomes really tough because your expectations and burden on the team cap wise are a lot different. Yeah, no, that's totally valid. So it's uh, it makes it tougher for sure for them. And and you mentioned, yeah, you have extra cap space, but uh, you know, it might help you at the trade deadline. If you want to, uh, you know, get more draft picks and such for teams that are looking to dump some salary off. That's a, uh, that's probably about the Maybe only you best could way. retain a bit more on Mantha yeah. or whoever it is. Yeah, exactly. That you've been trying to dump Kuznetsov. Yeah. Oh, could be a big retool there. We'll see. But uh, Tyler Remchuk is, uh, is flying today. So uh, our good man, uh, Liam is uh, stepping in today. Liam, how you doing my man? Mr. Ding Dong himself. Mr. Ding Dong himself. I think that's why it took so long for me to come back on the show. We were waiting for, for DoorDash to come back so you could all hear the uh, the Ding Dong, which I'll get to in a second, I suppose. But Buy or Sell brought to you by DoorDash Ding Dong. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code NATION25, which you can see on your screen now as well. So I have three questions for you guys. Maybe I'll sneak in a fourth. Tyler sent me these. So if you don't like him, you can take it up with him on the next episode. First question. First coaching change will be made by a Canadian team. Frank, we'll maybe start with you. I'll buy that. I mean, there's really kind of only two candidates, I think. Uh, Ottawa and Edmonton. It seems like a two-horse race. I, I don't think Minnesota, Dean Evason is part of the problem nashville just changed their coach i mean maybe you could make the argument san jose is the one other team if they get walloped again i don't see mike sullivan going anywhere so i'm going to leave it at those two teams ottawa and edmonton yeah it's hard but the, the you're right like if the sharks give up nine or ten again frank like my goodness um I, I don't know how much longer that could last so just for team pride yeah um I'm actually going to, I'm going to sell because I think it's going to be the Sharks. Yeah. I mean, 
Allowing 20 goals in two games might do that for somebody. Uh, the second one is on the Sharks, and you guys kind of addressed it a little bit too. But the San Jose Sharks don't get to 15 wins this season. Gregor, do you want to go first? Well, I said at the start of the year it'd be 20, and now I didn't think they'd start 0 10 and 1. So, um, is that bad? Or 0 11 and 1, with the, whatever they are. Uh, 0 10 and 1. Yeah, I, I will uh, I will buy that. I think it's, it's going to be a really tough year in San Jose. Um, you know what? Uh, Logan Couture is out. You know, they got rid of Eric Carlson. I think the rest of their defense, uh, people are seeing now, and maybe just how much Carlson um, protected, protected's not the was, uh, the wrong word, but overshadowed all the other defense core. People didn't even really focus on that. They just focus so much on him. And I don't see how it's going to naturally improve. They don't have a lot of young guys in the American League that, hey, in the second half, we can call them up and they're going to add some juice to our lineup. I Because after a while, I don't care who you are, you get beat that bad that often, it wears you down. So uh, I am going to buy all day long. You get beat that bad that often, you don't even feel like you're in the NHL. You might as well go play for the Barracuda. Yeah. What was the figure you gave, Liam? 15. A, 15 wins? Yeah. I mean, they're bound to just get a pile of them by absolute accident. Like 15 wins still only gets you to 30 points. I'm going to say they get there. I'll, I'll, I will, I guess I'm selling. Yeah, I guess you would be selling. Okay. Uh, third one, who are you buying is the best team in the West, the Colorado avalanche and the Vegas golden Knights, Frank. Oh, I'm buying the golden Knights after Saturday's mm-hmm. touchdown victory. I mean, the abs have been really impressive to start. That game was clearly a dud. But I can't get over the feeling that whenever these two teams get together, that the Golden Knights just have their number. And until that is kind of erased, then I don't know. I think I'm still going to lean with the Golden Knights. Yeah, it's hard. Defending champs. Um, they they finally lost in regulation the other day. It's uh, it's really difficult for, for me to to go with anybody else at this point in the West. And I would argue that the way they're playing, the Vancouver Canucks might get consideration for the second best. Yeah. I mean, look when the at, not to take anything away from their Stanley cup win, cause you don't fake your way to it, but like they didn't have to take out the golden Knights in 22, the golden Knights have had their number, you know, going back a couple years, it just feels like until that's vanquished, I'm going to be still riding with the golden Knights. Mm-hmm. I'll, uh, I'll mix in one more because this one I'm curious about. Andrew Mangiapane was given a one-game suspension for cross-jerking Jared McCann in the back of the neck. I guess by ourselves was one game enough for Mangiapane. Jason? Yeah, I, I, um, I will buy. I, I think it was it was fair. He was down. He clearly gave one. I, I don't think, like, he didn't rear back and absolutely destroy him, which would have uh, caused more, but I definitely think it was suspension-worthy, and I think one game's fair. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I agree. I could have been more maybe if there was more like force or intent or if he didn't sit so much of the first, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm fine with it being one game. All right. There you go. Buy or sell delivered by DoorDash. Use nation code 25 until next time, gents. Ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Liam. Um, Frank, I was looking at the Sharks. So the Sharks are at home against Philly tomorrow. Then they have Edmonton on Thursday. And then they play back-to-back in Vegas on Friday. 
The, uh, What's the like, record for longest open to a season without a victory? Theirs? No, what's, well, like, what's like the NHL record? Like how oh, many games think, has someone gone without a win? I think winless was like, I think it was something like 30. Um, 30 I'll, I'll, games? Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll look it up. But um, as we're talking, I'll try to find it. But it, it was, um, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Like, you know, most. That's the longest winless streak, the 80-81 Jets. But yeah, I, longest longest winless streak to start a season. Actually, no, sorry, it's only fifteen. The, uh, that's the what I'm New saying York, they got to be getting close. Like, yeah, yeah, they're tied for second. Frank, um, the most recent team last year, the Coyotes, or sorry, two years of the Coyotes went eleven games, oh ten and one. Um, the Coyotes in eighteen also went eleven games winless. The Sharks in ninety six. Uh, the North Stars in 74, and then the uh, Pittsburgh so Pirates of 1928. One, one more loss would give them the longest winless streak to start a season in modern NHL times. Because uh, the well, record is the Rangers in 43-44. Yes, yes. So, How embarrassing is that? Yeah, modern so that, times. That could happen against Philly. Then you got Edmonton. Then you got Vegas. Right. Like, I mean, the Yotes are on this list twice from 17, 18 and 21, 22, but they all got their first win of the season in game 12. Yes. Like you, if I look at the shark schedule, Philly Tuesday, then Edmonton, then Vegas, then they're in Anaheim, the ducks, you know, rolling. Then they go to Florida and St. Louis, then home to Vancouver, Seattle, uh, uh, or sorry, on the road in Vancouver and Seattle, then home to uh, Montreal, Vancouver again, Wa- like Washington. Like, honestly, I don't know which is the game you think, hey, they're going to win. Honestly. I mean, after a couple 10-goal debacles, none of them. Like, like you got to get they're... within a field goal to at least make it competitive. Like, if, if you were looking strictly at standings, Frank, you would say their best chance to win would be on Thursday when they play the 31st ranked team, the Edmonton Oilers. And if you think they're a mess on the ice, they might be just as much of one off the ice. I don't know what their plan is. Oh, Uh, I I think now they know like they're, they've missed the playoffs. What is it? Four consecutive years now, four consecutive years in the lottery zone. Yeah. And they were adding players this summer. (laughs) They do. Help me understand. Like, just tell me what the cohesive plan is. Yeah. Like Mike Greer, right before Greer was, was hired, you know, they, they signed Thomas hurdle to an extension. That's the guy they should have traded. That should have been the start. They said, okay, you know what? We're not going long-term with this guy. We're going to trade him. Then we're going to trade Eric Carlson. You know what? Logan Couture will retain some money on trade him. Cause that's the thing. The sharks are going to have to retain salary on Couture and hurdle and move them um, in the off season or at some point, right? Like, that's just how it is. Mike Greer said he was waiting for them to raise their hand. <laughs> Why? Don't let the players decide your organization. Sure. Maybe because they have no trade, no move. I don't. I mean, yeah, it's but really you go to them. And, trust me, Frank. I would tell you right now, you're Thomas Hurdle and you're Logan Couture. You're like, okay, I didn't think it was going to be this bad. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Because- hey, guess what? You know the scariest part? Only one of those guys is actually going to find his way out of town. And you know Why? Because the Why? Sharks have already got two retained salary transactions chewed up oh, for the right. next two seasons. Oh, so yes. only one of them can be retained on. Ooh. And it just made the nonsensical retaining on Eric Carlson a million and a half. Like you should have just said, I'll take less 
just to get him off my books. Yeah. And you, but you got to eat the whole 11 and a half. Oh, what, what it's nonsensical, a million and a half to retain on. You could have chewed up four. Yeah. On hurdle or, or couture. Like, look, so here's, so they have the dead cap space of uh, right now, 7.45 million. Burns and Carlson, the retain 2.7 to 1.5. They have a buyout penalty of 2.9 on Martin Jones. Uh, Rudolph Balser is only 308 grand, and that comes off this year. But then they have uh, Oscar uh, Lindblom and uh, uh, Radim Zimic uh, in the minors at uh, 2.45 on dead cap space. That's almost 10 million bucks not playing for your team. 100%. And uh, I mean, yeah, that's it like, is, yeah, at least the Wild have had back to back 100 point seasons. Yeah, like eating 14 million. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, imagine how good the wild are going to be when they get through this. Yeah, they should be better. There's no question. But like you look at and I don't. Um, yeah, it's there's no easy like it's going to be long and and like Sharks fans, Frank, it's going to get ugly there in the building. Honestly, like what do we I think you might have seen six, seven thousand people there on on a weekend game like it's. You got a Tuesday game against Philly. You might have 5,000 people. And that sucks for, for any, any fan base, but I kind of don't blame them. They're like, why do I want to pay for a team that can't even come close to being competitive? And it's not like right now they've got some young players. You're like, okay, the future is going to be good in a few years. We got these guys coming. They don't have any of that. Halloween's over, but it's still pretty scary. It is. Now, Frankie, it's up and it's live, baby. The uh, dailyfaceoff.com, the survivor pool, right? Go there, check it out, Daily Faceoff. You go every day, uh, check out. All you do is you go to dailyfaceoff.com, clip on the Wendy Survivor, and then you pick. And each day it comes up with some options. And so you got to be a little strategic. You pick the one, okay. Then I got on day two, day three, day four for the week. And uh, you gain points every time the one you pick that day if it actually comes to fruition. Some's about a team winning. Sometimes it's a certain individual player in shots, an individual player in goals. Are they going to score? Are they not going to score? It's uh, loads of fun. So uh, while you obsess over your dream team, that dedication with Wendy's new obsession, the very real barbecue bacon cheeseburger. Try it out right now at Wendy's. It's with uh, the Applewood smoked bacon. Crispy onions as cheese melts over the fresh but never frozen Canadian beef. And why is it important to play every day? Because who's ever the best at the end of the season will take home $5,000 in cash. So get to dailyfaceoff.com and the uh, Wendy's Survivor Pool right now. The new game starts this week, Monday, November 6th, today. So get your picks in today so you can be yeah, part of it. And if you don't, and it's key, Frank, if you don't get in today, you can't pick the rest of the week. Right. So you got to get in to start yes. the week and then you can keep going or you got to wait till next Monday. Yeah. So uh, get in because I made that mistake. I missed the first day and uh, then I had to watch all you other idiots get everything wrong. So uh, now hey, I, get I um, 164 people survived the entire week. Yeah, it's good. It's good. So there you go. It'll be lots of fun game. I like it. It's just fun to pick out different things in it. And it's not just picking the teams. It's individuals. Lots of different ones makes you think. And then you got to plan kind of out the week. You don't want to take the easiest one maybe right away, or maybe you do. What's your strategy? Everybody will be different. Well, Frankie, we will talk to you uh, later on in the week and uh, we'll see what's uh, how high the pressure is up in Edmonton, San Jose, Ottawa, and uh, Quinn Hughes. Uh, hey, with uh, Mr. Fox going down, that's uh Quinn Hughes is a pretty early favorite for the Norse. 
Mm, yeah. I mean, Cal McCarr will have something to say about that, but we'll see. He will, for sure. Have a great week, everyone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.